This is Robert Greenwich. Are you here? <laughs> Dorothy said, There's no place like home. When you're listening to the Paul Leslie Hour, we hope you feel like there's no place like here. On this episode, we're celebrating Mr. Robert Greenwich. Now, you're about to hear an interview Paul did with Robert Greenwich in a hotel room the night before he was to perform with Jimmy Buffett and the Coral Reefer Band. Now, the conversation began with Robert's solo album, and from there went on into a variety of directions. Robert Greenwich is a man who has lived by and for the steel drum, sometimes called Robert G. He's a recording artist, an entertainer, and composer. He also fronts the band Club Trini, along with partner and friend Michael Utley. He's a member of the Trinidad-based steel drum band, the Desperados. Robert has recorded with artists ranging from Ringo Starr, John Lennon, Harry Nilsson, Robert Palmer, and others. Robert's been a member of the Jimmy Buffett Coral Reefer Band for 40 years, since 1983. With the unfortunate passing of Jimmy Buffett, many are asking what'll become of the Coral Reefer Band without Jimmy. The Trinidad Express newspaper recently interviewed Robert, and he suggested the band might carry on. Remarking on the passing of Buffett, Greenwich said, would he want the show to go on? Absolutely. He would say, rock on! Interesting idea, isn't it? Mr. Greenwich is about to share some great stories, but really quick here, quick. Consider giving to yourself and to others the gift of stories. And you can do that by visiting www.thepaulleslie.com support. Paul has many more great interviews in store for you right here. Be one of the people who keeps this show going. And with that, let's hear from Robert Greenwich. We're talking today with the world's foremost steel drum player, Mr. Robert Greenwich. Howdy, Paul. Thank you very much for making the time to do this. No problem. Always a pleasure. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk a little bit about Robert Greenwich's solo album, From the Heart. And I wanted to ask you, first of all, that, of course, was one of the songs, the title track, From the Heart. Uh, what made you decide to pick that one to be the title track? Uh, that one is, was chosen because of my good friend Ralph McDonald. Um, he helped me produce the CD, and we did, I did some of his songs, or Antigia music songs, and some of my songs also on the CD. And I heard uh, from the heart um, was one of my uh, compositions that I had a little while. And I said, you know, this is probably a good time to put it put it out there, since I was doing solo stuff. And um, when we put the major tracks down, then we realized it's, it, it was coming from the heart, and that's where that came in. And uh, we decided to call the album from the heart because the whole all the songs were, you know, well done. Everything were, you know, we had good. Um, a good recording setup. We worked at uh, Ralph's studio, which was great, and um, also another studio called Avita, downtown uh, New York. 
And we just put it together. Myself and Ralph uh, work a lot on it, and uh, we produced it. And I did most of the arrangements um, on most of the songs. Songs that was uh, done by Ralph, uh, Ralph Group, uh, meaning um, his writing team of Bill Salter, Bill Eaton, and Ralph McDonald. They helped um, on the songs that we did that, like just two of us, um, another one, uh, there's a couple more on there that uh, Kiss Kiss and all those different songs that were written by Ralph and them before. And I liked them and I asked to put them on my CD because um, it sounded like something that I would do. And um, that is how we came up with the whole concept of the album From the Heart. You know, as I said, some songs by me and some songs written by them. So... One of the other songs that you did, you wrote with, with along with Mr. McDonald and his writing team, Bill Salter and William Eaton, uh, and that song was called Love Me Up in the Morning. Oh, yes. And it features Miss Nadira Shakura on vocals. Yes, that was my original song. I got that first, and I had Ralph, and then put some lyrics to it. And, um, of course, you had you know a lovely voice like Nadira. I couldn't resist having her um, work on my album, on my CD. And uh, by doing that, I got a chance to have her sing Love Me Up in the Morning, and it was such a great song. Also, I had her sing Just the Two of Us. I also had her sing the song uh, Kiss Kiss, and um, it worked out pretty good, you know. I also has a couple of Calypso songs on there, um, one called Rosie, um, and uh, my, there's a couple of them that has vocals on it also. I don't know if it's on that particular cut that you have there, Rosie Vocals. See, Rosie Greenwich. I, uh-huh. I think that's the instrumental version. No, I have the instrumental version. I think this one is. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, that was a great song. We did that for Trinidad for the Carnival. And um, I have a steel drum band in Trinidad called the Desperado Steel Band, and there's another one called the Solo Par Nights. And there's a big competition down there, and I took that song down there and put it in what we call a panorama arrangement of a 10-minute piece, take a three-minute piece song and put it in 10 minutes with a lot of arrangements and different things like that. So, um, you know, we did that song called uh, Rosie and that was uh, is a nice instrumental version we had of it. I also have a vocal version that I have on a later CD um, because of as I said, we did this for the Trinidad for the Carnival. I had to put some lyrics to it. And um, I had a guy named Roger Jones sang it. He's a guy from Trinidad. And he's a great singer and he does a lot of work. Um, the next piece on there was uh, um, from Rosie. We had another Calypso piece called Dark Horse. And um, we also had some lyrics, but we didn't have time to put it on the CD. But um, next time around we bring it out, um, we'll be definitely hearing the lyrics on it. So there may be a follow-up. Yes, there will right. be a follow-up. There will be a follow-up to Rosie. There will be a follow-up to uh, Dark Horse. Those two particular songs because they, there's lyrics for them, you see. So. Something that I think was uh, sounds like a very interesting story. Uh, when you were 16 years old, you went to perform at the first Negro Arts Festival in Africa. Right. 
And to be such a young man, that has to have been very exciting. Yeah, that was a very nice uh, highlight of my life, being able to travel at the age of 16 and go there and do something you love to do, like playing music, and get a chance to represent the country of Trinidad and um, really make a, you know, we went with a group called the Desperado Steel Band. That's who I travel with because that uh, that was the group that uh, I joined that group in 1965. And I believe it's 1966 or 68, we've been to Africa on a couple of occasions. And it was great to be able to, you know, just uh, be the young boy in the band with all the older guys and learn a lot from them also um, in the line of um, for arrangements, technical playing, all these different things, because everybody had a, a good, uh, they were much older than me, they were much more experienced, and I get a chance to learn from great guys. But the trip to Africa was real nice at the Dhaka. We went to Dhaka. We went to Zambia. And I believe in 68. Dhaka was 1966, I believe. In 68, we went to uh, Zambia. And uh, we were representing the country, Trinidad and Tobago. And uh, it was great to go there and do some work. I wanted to ask you about a question about Club Trini. Uh, you told us the last time you were on about how you and Mr. Utley met. And I'm wondering, because you guys, one of the things I noticed just from the interviews, you guys have just amazing rapport with one another. It's <laughs> like you guys can finish one another's sentences. Uh, yeah. You know what the other one's thinking. Right. And I was wondering, when you guys first met, did you know right away that you guys were just destined to be friends? I think so, because uh, we met in the studio. Um, a record plant in LA. That's the first time I saw Mr. Hurtley. They were recording this album called One Particular Harbor. And that's when I, that's when actually my first record with Buffett. I was it's 1982, 83. You know, I was in LA and uh, I got a call to play some steel drums and because I do a lot of session music in LA. And I got a call to play with Jimmy Buffett. I didn't know who Jimmy Buffett was then at the time, and um, I just went ahead and to a normal session. And then after the session, you know, everything went well. The CD came out, and everything was good, and I was asked to come on the road with them. And here I am today still here with Jimmy Buffett on the road. We're still traveling a lot and still enjoying our times on the road after all these great CDs have been made since I've been with him and what he did before also. So I was just happy to be a part of this team. And that's where I, as I say, met Michael Utley and we hit it off pretty well. And um, there was one time uh, we got, uh, you know, a friend uh, in the business and he asked us if we, uh, you know, if we want to do a CD with the Master Series on MCA Records. And we accepted that and that's where we started our first CD. But um, what we're doing is, uh, you know, we did that mad music. Then we did another one called Jubilee uh, over the period of years. Then we did one called The Heat. Those were the three on the MCA records. And then we went ahead and do uh, something on Margaritaville Records, um, Club Trini. And then we come and did uh, Club Trini back in town on Club Trini Records. And um, we also did, um, there's a couple more we did. Uh, but we... You know, we just, as some, most of the times we try to write as much as we can whilst we're on the road or while we are home. I would do stuff home in my studio and send it to Mike, let him check it out. And uh, we'll approve of it and then we'll get together and put the band together and just do live, a live recording of it. So this is how we operate here. 
I wanted to know when you first started uh, this this first project with Jimmy Buffett, the one particular Harbor album. What did you think when you first met Buffett? What what went? What did you think about him? Well, I I approached us just another session. You know, um, as I said, I didn't know much about him before. Um, there's other people that we work with, people like Ringo Starr, there's people like uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, there's people like Harry Nielsen, all these different people we work with. So I approached it the same way of working with them, and um, it was great. Um, a very good session at the record plant in L.A., and um, I went in there to do one song, I believe, or two songs, and next thing I end up doing at least five or six songs on the CD. So that alone gives some encouragement that he is interested in the steel drum, which was my main interest of, you know, having it being heard out there, the instrument itself, because those days everybody, you know, the synthesizer and the this and that was out. So the steel drum tone was kind of hard to get until they started to do the samples and all that kind of different things. So there's some, a lot of them wanted the authentic sound of the steel drum, so they would call us, because I live in Los Angeles for the past uh, two years, even though I'm from Trinidad and Tobago. But I've been, you know, I've been LA. I moved to LA in 1971, 72, and I've been there ever since. And uh, back and forth to Trinidad all, all the time. Every year I goes back, see my family. I also uh, do some work with a group called the Desperados Steel Band, which is one of the main steel drum band in the world. And it has, you know, during the Mardi Gras time, they have uh, uh, the group is consists of uh, 100 to 120 players playing all steel drums and during the year they like 50 for the regular we call the stage side the regular grouping and um, I go back and forth all the time do arrangements for them they did a couple of my songs already we have won the competition a couple of times well with my songs and a couple of other um, guys songs so it's something I enjoy doing working for the whole steel drum band situation I like that because you know, it's very unique. You know, you don't, there's no electrical amplification stuff, but, you know, it's, it's real nice when you hear the whole band come together and hear that organ sound, you know, definitely. But, um, you know, it was real good, as I say, working with Jimmy and still working with him. And everything is so great. Everything's still working out with us. It's one of my best stores I ever had in my life. And I stay and I enjoy. And he treats us very well. So we have a good time and, you know, like family here. Listening to the album on the way up here, uh, I can't help but get this feeling of like euphoria yeah. listening to some of your songs. It's like I view a lot of your songs as like painting a picture of paradise. Right. And I was wondering, what is it that you hope the people that listen to your music get out of your music? Well, just like what you say, you know, I hope that uh, they get something where they could really sit down and listen and hear the steel drum, not as. Um, as before, we just hear Marianne or you hear Jamaica Farewell, that type thing on it. You know, we try to take it to this other level where it's, it's um, pleasable to the air, you know, so that you can really listen to it without being overpowered by it. And the mixture of it um, with uh, other equipment, other instruments, and the blend of type of instruments we use. Most of this, most of the music on this is done with three or four sets of steel pans. You know, so I, I did two or three, you know, multi-track this, uh, um, 
get the pan, pantone quality. And then I we end up using like a regular bass guitar, drums, percussion. I use a saxophonist and a vocalist and some strings. And that is the kind of combination we did in order to get that type of song from, from the heart CD. Playing with Jimmy Buffett, is there any particular song that you especially enjoy performing? Hmm. Well, yes, of course, uh, One Particular Harbor, which is the first one. There's Brown Eye Girl. There's also uh, Margaretville, of course. Um, Changes and Latitude, like that. Um, there's a couple uh, songs we've been playing for years that um, have been around. Um, um, Fins is a favorite because everybody goes crazy with it, you know, and they do the antiques and they do all that kind of stuff. And um, um, he did a version of Jamaica Mistaker, um, and I like that also, you know. He, he have some great songs. There's so many, it's kind of hard to just kind of pick a few out. And there's one that uh, we all kind of co-wrote together called King of Somewhere Hot, which, of course, is, I would like that because <laughs> we did a lot of work with that, and I was very much involved in the production of it and all that, so... That is one of one of the favorites, and and then also Criola. Criola is a great song. Um, I think it was written by Ralph, and it was fitted just right for Jimmy. Yeah. And I believe that they went over pretty well. Is there any person in the Coral Reefer band that you feel exceptionally close to? Um. Yeah, there's a couple of them that I feel close to, like Mike Hartley. feel close. Uh, uh, Ralph McDonald, of course, he's come like a brother. Um, there was a couple others before that, like Sam Clayton was a great percussionist, used to play with Buffett before, in and out, and he was a very good friend of mine. Um, um, most of the guys from the older band was great friends, and the, the new band came in, what, Roger and them came in, I think it was what, 12, 15 years now, whatever, somewhere in between there. And um, musically, they have made the band uh, like a nice little unit. And... Uh, um, uh, we pull off, we work well together and, uh, hopefully, uh, we will continue working the way we are these days. And as I said, people like, you know, Utley definitely for sure. And, um, Nadera, we are very close because we, you know, we work together a lot and we off if we're not doing any Buffett stuff. Sometimes we get other stuff, uh, Club Trini stuff or Robbie Grinder stuff and I'll use the same band basically if I can. Once everybody's not busy, you know, so we have a club Trini song all the time, you know, and um, we, everybody in the band know the songs, whatever songs we've been playing with club Trini. So it is okay to regroup anytime and really play, you know. We have little festivals we do off and on as club Trini at uh, different times when Buffett is off. And if we, uh, once we could get the scheduling done, then we could have other gigs on the side. Other than being the steel drum player and doing lots of session work and performing with the Coral Reefer Band, performing with Club Trini, mm -hmm. playing on Ralph McDonald's albums, you're oh, yeah. a busy guy. <laughs> I was wondering what you like doing in your downtime, if you have any. <laughs> if I have any, um, I'm always concentrated on the music for some reason. I might be down, but for some reason I would always uh, more or less try to... Um, more or less try to, you know, if I'm not playing, I want to create. On my downtime, I would, you know, drive, take a drive by the beach, check it out, 
in California, or I would try to get to Trinidad and just kind of relax a little. But my, yeah, I'm, I'm always playing and always working because of the fact that you know, if I'm doing, if I'm not doing it, I don't feel like I'm doing something. <laughs> There's something about it that. If I'm not touring on the road, I need to be doing it in my studio at home or going somewhere and, as I say, arranging for steel drum bands. I do a lot of workshops in the different universities like West Virginia um, and Morgantown. There's a nice university there, West Virginia University, that we do workshops. We do a whole week of that. There's also one in Ohio I do. So um, those are the things uh, you get a chance to really um, sh- showcase the instrument because there's so many kids in schools and high schools, colleges now that have taken up the steel pan or the steel drum in such a way that it's 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 um, pretty soon next five years there's going to be steel drums all over the all over the states, and which is great. I want to see the equip the instrument itself build itself just like a, a piano, you know. I mean, you know, Trinidad is the foremost maker of the steel drum, but you guys can't keep it in Trinidad, otherwise it ain't going nowhere. It's like the piano, you know. If you had the piano, and the guy who made the piano keeps it where he made it, then we'd have been in trouble, you see. So now the pans now are coming out more, even though, um, as I said, you know, it's being played all over the, all over this, all over the, the the world have steel drums now. We have steel drum sites, West, um, pan sites that we go to that would give you all the information you need about steel drums, and it's worldwide. And uh, it's great to see that the instrument is climbing the ladder. And it's the only instrument of the 20th century that's like that. You've done a lot of work with Taj Mahal. And yes. on the last time you were on, you mentioned that he was a close friend of yours. Yes, he was. And he he was, still is. Sorry. Yeah, he is a good friend of yours. Yes. He is such a phenomenal artist. Oh, yeah. He's great. I started playing with him either in 1974 or somewhere around there. Oh, maybe earlier, somewhere there, um, when I came to the States, he, um, he would play, perform at a place called the Roxy Theater in uh, Los Angeles, a famous joint. And um, his guitar player didn't show up, and he needed somebody to fulfill that. And there were two guys from Trinidad, a drummer and a bass player. And they tell him, uh, hey, we got a steel drum player in LA that might be able to hold this, you know, for this in the band here. Um, that's the day of the show. So I went there for the song check and played with him, and then that was it. All the rest was history from there. I started to play with him all over, travel all over the world with him, Australia, Africa, name it, New Zealand, all these places. He traveled a lot. He's a good, great blues guitar player and singer, you know, and uh, he took us to Japan, different places. And, um, you know, he's just a great guy. You know, he's just a great guy, and I enjoy playing with him still. Uh, we may do something uh, in the month of October. So far, there's a big um, a, a, a blues boat cruise that we're going to go play on, that type thing. On the West Coast, that is, you know, going to Mexico and all the other places and that type of thing. One, um, and it's, it would fall right in the off time of Buffett, which is great. So I still get a chance to play with him and then play with Buffett also. So it's working out pretty good for me. I enjoy that. He's a really great friend because, you know, he's the first one out there that really take the pan and really showcase it the way I thought it should have been showcased because the features and all the solos, you know, is not just like play two lines and stop or play some chords. It's like you audio like a saxophone or a keyboardist or a guitarist and you just have to hold the fort and, you know, fulfill the shoes. 
what kind of music do you like listening to her? Have you, have you heard any groups lately that you thought were exceptionally good? Um, of late, I really can't say, but I, I like classical music personally. I do like classical music because, um, I like the way the voice, I like, I like to listen to how they harmonize. I like to listen to how they put it together because, um, I was never really trained officially musically. You know, I was, I went to a couple of schools, but I was, I never really major in any major, um, you know, um, uh, classes like to say, well, you know, hey, you know, you come from Howard University or you come from whatever. I'm, you know, I didn't reach that far, but I have it in my head. And I think that's one of the key things that um, I know what and how to arrive at certain things. And I've learned a lot from a lot of different guys around. A lot of, I like to listen to a lot of people that, you know, like George Benson type thing. I like those kind of styles, Chic Corea. These kind of people like that. Um, and of course, the classical music. You mentioned uh, that the album From the Heart was, a lot of it was recorded at Rosebud 2, mm-hmm. which is uh, Mr. Ralph McDonald's studio. Yes. And I wanted to ask, just because uh, ever since I've been listening to Ralph's music, I've just become so entranced by his his writing. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, is there something about Ralph McDonald that we would be surprised to know? Well, a lot of people don't really believe that he writes the songs. Well, not they don't believe, but I mean, like, um, he comes, he, he's like the main man in the Antisha music. And um, he comes up with uh, great ideas. And uh, sometimes if he figures he wants some more um, information on how to come up with it, his other two partners are great. And they were all, you know, uh, Bill Salter and Bill Eaton. Those are what the Antisha music. And um, they write great songs, it does great, Bill Eaton does great arrangements, Ralph and Bill Salter does a lot of the uh, lyrics, and um, by working with them over the period of years on Ralph's CDs, I've got to, I have gotten to like the style, the way they do the music, it's like real old time music, old school, and really fit well together, not just anybody playing any and everything, and it's, it's it, you know, my song, um, like there's a lot of stuff going on, but it's all, you know, in format. Everything is, you know, is put in the right place. Each note is being played, is being heard. Is, is a particular reason why that note is there. You know, like his, um, his studio is great. You have a nice studio. You have a nice board. You have a good engineer. And um, when I'm getting ready to do um, on my next uh, album, I'll be doing it, some of that at Rosebud too also. So um, it have to be good for me to go back to uh-huh. that studio. And, um, you know, when that time comes, you know, I'll call in Paul and say, Paul, we got a new city. Listen to it. Uh, I was curious, how, how do you compose your songs? Do you compose on the steel drum? I compose on the steel drums. Okay. I, com- I go to my studios. I might go in there like now and not sure what I might come up with and just start to play. Or sometimes I would um, do a quick chord chart of a verse and a chorus of something. You know, let's write the chords out and then come up with a melody for it. Or sometimes I come up with a melody and then change the chords. So um, I do that at home and then I do usually do it with all the steel drums from the bass to the lead drum. And then I'll send it to like Ralph or something, listen to this. And you say, yeah, man, this is great or this is not great or whatever it is. And, um, you know, let's, let's put it out there and we get the conventional instruments and put it on that. 
but the steel drum always have like the demo copy of it for some reason. So that's where it starts off in my studio. Not many people can say that they have recorded uh, music for half of the Beatles. That's a tremendous accomplishment. Having you having been a session player for Ringo Starr, and also uh-huh. p- performing <laughs> on uh, or, or recording on the uh, John Lennon song "Beautiful Boy." Right. When you when you were doing those sessions, did you have a feeling in your head like, "Wow, I really accomplished"? Sure, I did. Because <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, to get first to begin to get close to these guys, and uh, it's sometimes it's pretty much impossible. And the music take us right there, right in the back door, right inside the studio, and you get a chance to meet them. And they, you know, as you know, as like us, normal people just doing their things and making things work. But they're very exceptional in their music. And um, by me living in LA, and all these guys used to come through LA and different things, I got opportunities. Except for well, John Lennon, I did that in New York City. At um, I think it's a hit factory too or something. And that was great. That was a great session. We went up there and the whole place was all blocked off. I mean, everything was cool. It was very well secured. And nobody expect whatever happened to him happened. You know what I mean? But, I mean, we was all secure. We was just happy to do this. He did have his son. And he had this song called Beautiful Boy. And he just figured that it would be good to have the steel drums on it. And I got the call and I went up there and it was one of the best uh, sessions I ever had also. Ringo was great also. Because we did that in LA at um, RCA Studios, and it was great. Um, he was down to it. I've met him a couple of times. Well, um, there's a main guy called Van Dyke Parks. Uh, did a lot of connections for me because he was the keyboardist within the organization that would do all the sessions, and uh, he would write the songs and arrange also. Um, so through him, I got to play with all these great guys, you know, from Harry Nielsen, as I said, Ringo, name them, you know, Ju- um, John Lennon session was a s- different contact. And, um, there's a lot of other sessions, you know, Robert Palmer, all these people have been, did a bunch of different things with. I just sometimes, uh, you know, they bring the CDs, like we go to Japan and the Japanese people will bring the CDs and say, um, could you sign this? I said, I don't think I played on this, you know. And they say, yeah, look, your name on the back. I say, oh, okay, <laughs> no problem, <laughs> you know. So uh, we have some of that too uh, because it's so much that sometimes you kind of forget, you know, all what you did, you know. Sometimes you might do a demo for somebody and then next thing the demo turned out real good and they go on with it, you know. And, um, you know, they take care of business and we take care of business and that was it, you know. But, um, it's you know, I really enjoy working with all these great people. And Earth, Wind and Fire was a great session also. One day, a city, they had a city called Power Light, I think is the name of the city. And they had a couple of songs on there and used the instrument. And that's one of the first groups like that I've seen use the instrument in a, in a manner that really um, speaks out. You know. The amazing thing about the steel drum is it seems like it's an instrument that can't be replicated. You know, I've heard people try to or, mm-hmm. you know, I've definitely heard musicians that have used synthesizers and things, but mm-hmm. it's such a unique sounding instrument. Yeah. And having come, you know, it's 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 a new instrument relative to all the instruments out there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, you know, there have been some people that have said that the steel pan comes from Jamaica, mm-hmm. but it really comes from Trinidad. Really comes from Trinidad, from my knowledge and from my 
uncles and grandparents know this came from Trinidad. There's some people say it came from St. Thomas. There's some people from the Virgin Islands. You know, some people say it comes from Jamaica. Some say from Barbados. But as far as I know, it came from Trinidad. And um, there's still, there's books out there on all these different, history books out there on all these, um, when the pan started and where it started, what caused the pan, you know, what caused this to arrive at that and all different things like that. So from my knowledge, I believe, believe it came from Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago. So Mr. Greenwich, what would you like to say to all the listeners out there that are listening? Well, I would just like to say um, I hope you enjoyed this interview. And I hope that um, you go out and uh, li- listen to this radio station and also try to find, go to the website and find robertgreenwich.com and find from the heart CD and purchase it. And that would be a good thing. And then by that way, you'll be able to hear firsthand what Paul has listened to and what we are doing. So, you know, I would advise them, you know, tune in most of the times. And if you want to find the CD, go to robertgreenwich.com. And you'll get it. Mr. Greenwich, thank you so much for your time. It's thank been you, a, Paul. A pleasure speaking to you, as always. No problem. And Jeff Pike, you know, very good engineering, my friend. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Could you do a, uh, a show ID? A show ID? Say, like, this is Robert Greenwich, and you're listening to Time After Island Time. No, 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 no. That's a different story right there. Can't do that? No, I'm just oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> time After Island Time. Let me see what it says, and I'll try to say it like that. Time after island time. That's it, right? So I need to say, um, this is Robert Greenwich on time after island time All right. studio. Thank you. All right. No, did I say that good? <laughs> Let's do one more. This is Robert Greenwich, and you're listening to time after island time radio. Oh, okay. This is Robert Greenwich, and you're listening to time after time Island Radio. Well, I can say it again, and then you just you'll just have to cut it. Okay. You have to say this is Robert Greenwich, and you're listening to Time After Island Time on the radio. Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks, Robert. You know you could you know you could fix that, Jeff. (laughs) You mentioned the King of Somewhere Hot. Yeah. That's when I first heard that song. Years ago, when Hot Water came out, right. always been one of my all-time favorites. Oh yeah, that's 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 a good one. I, yeah, like I, that I never knew the story behind that until I read the book. Carl looks at fifty. Yeah, yeah. And that just like just when you took really him up the hill. Oh, yeah, King of Sunday Hot. Yeah. I still I love that song so very much. Yeah, man. I'm really glad it was a good one. We thank you and appreciate you dropping in for the Paul Leslie Hour today. You know, you can help the Paul Leslie Hour in our mission to provide independent media content like this by visiting www.thepaulleslie.com slash support. We truly thank you. This is your announcer speaking. Performance of the Entertainer intro song and Corina Corina outro song courtesy of John Primerano. Well, that's it for today. So until next time, be safe and be good.